I'm, I'm delighted. Can I just thank everyone for coming to Bernie Clifton's podcast this morning, in spite of the inclement weather, this awful uh, weather that we're having at the moment here in South Yorkshire. It's the podcast, and we're here in Sheffield, and I've got some esteemed guests, ladies and gentlemen. Well, one of them's steaming, the other one's... <laughs> one I'm not sure about. Would you give a round of applause to my guests? We've got retired surgeon Andrew Raftery. And uh, actress and all-round good egg, Beverly Jakes. So, in the, uh, in the, in the method that, that we use, I'm going to open with a song. Are you okay with that? Yes. yes, it's Bernie Clifton's podcast. I'm glad it's come along. We've lots and lots to talk about, so I'm starting with a song. Welcome to me podcast, so glad you made it here. You look a happy audience, so give yourselves a cheer. Yes. <laughs> Wherever in the world you are listening to the show, I'll explain the situation, it'll only take a mo. We're in the showroom cinema, and Sheffield is the place. And if folk round here don't like you, they'll tell you to shut their face. <laughs> I tried to get the best of guests and rang up quite a few, but none of them could be bothered, so I'm stuck here with these two. <laughs> Andrew Raftery was a surgeon, and now he's just retarded, retired. <laughs> <laughs> Bev Jakes is a loose cannon because she keeps on getting fired. <laughs> now Andrew's worked around the world from Singapore to Sydney. He's always there to lend a hand if you needed a new kidney. <laughs> With his scalpel he went round the globe and it wasn't accidental. But what kind of surgeon was he? A renal or a rental? <laughs> Bev Jakes has a saying, I'm glad that I've just found it. If there's something you don't fancy, that can always just wish round it. With Bev and Andrew Raftery, what could possibly go wrong? Bev's dressed in shiny leather, while Andrew's worn his thong. <laughs> so settle down, it's time to start. If you're ready, then we'll go. So let's hear your applause. And we'll start me podcast show. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome uh, here to Bernie Clifton's podcast here at the Showroom Cinema in the heart of Sheffield. I'd like to thank you for coming along in this awful weather that we're having, and I'd like to thank you for enduring. We're going to have like 30 minutes of fun. Uh, the show lasts about four hours, but. <laughs> Only 30 minutes, a bit funny. And I want to be a big welcome to my guest this morning, of course, uh, Beverly Jakes. Give Beverly a big round of applause. <laughs> Beverly. <laughs> Beverly, uh, thanks, thanks for coming along. And tell us, uh, Beverly, uh, what you're up to at the moment here. Well, I'm really busy with Panto, Bernie, at minute. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, oh yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> tell uh, us about your Panto. I'm doing Aladdin. No, that sounds wrong. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, I'll take that back. Can I just say, but, Beverly, yeah. your private life is your own. <laughs> I, I could do with Aladdin, but anyway, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm. 
That's, that's what you call compounding the felony. <laughs> I am doing the panto, Aladdin, <laughs> at the Priory Campus on 14th and 15th of December. So yeah. I'm busy in rehearsals for that. I'm playing the genie of the lamp. And, and to, to, uh, have you done this? Have you played this part before? In no, I've not played this part. Last year I was in Beauty and the, the Beast and I played uh, what is known as Gaston. But in my play, it was Gavascon. <laughs> so, and w- week before, I've been talking to Sam about it. I, w- I was playing a pregnant woman where in second half, I just laid on stage and with my legs in air, gave birth. There's one thing so. you get from Beverly, you get graphic detail. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So, yes, so I'm busy with rehearsals for Aladdin. So it's at the Priory Campus, if anybody wants to come, 14th and 15th of December. It'll be brilliant. And then I've got a murder mystery at Stonehenge coming up. Hang on a minute. Murder mystery at Stonehenge? Yeah. Well, tell us about that. We're just going to Stonehenge and going to kill three people. That's it, basically. <laughs> what, what part? Are you playing one of the stone pillars? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I've got to stand very still while Do I'm it. killing somebody. <laughs> I'm one of the suspects. So I've got that on, and then the rest of December, I'm, I'm an elf at Elsker Heritage Centre on the Santa trains. So, but I'm doing that like back end of December, 21st, 22nd, 23rd. So if anybody wants to come on Santa trains, you'll see me, the drunken elf called Sparkle. Do you know what? I just can't keep up with you. With this, this, <laughs> this girl's, um, it's, it's, your, it's your flexibility. That's oh, what I'm you've very got. flexible. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another story. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Give Beverly Jakes a round of applause. Thank you, Beverly. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm thrilled, ladies and gentlemen, to have alongside me here uh, also a, a, a good friend and a, 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 a regular acquaintance, uh, Andrew Raftery. Uh, when we exchange emails, uh, Andrew is, is known in his immediate circle as a control freak, and I, I call him freaky. And because of the state of my body, he calls me creaky. So it's creaky to freak. So this is creaky saying, hello, freaky. Give freaky a round of applause. (laughs) Andrew, uh, welcome uh, to my podcast. It's great. Tell us what you're up to. Well, I'm not doing much, actually. I've just been going round church halls, giving talks to elderly ladies, elderly gentlemen, you know. And I stand there and I look at the audience and I think... I have a little bet with myself on which old lady's going to start snoring first. (laughs) And uh, I've done a couple of radio plays, playing Yorkshire Grumps. That's all I can play, is a Yorkshire Grump. (laughs) Wife says I'm a miserable old dickhead anyway. Um, uh, How have Christmas? Well, what am I doing? What am I doing today? Oh, I'm doing the Christmas pud today. It's already in a bowl with the... Uh, with the the cloth over where it says in the book you've got to leave it overnight. Then I'm going to have a wonderful afternoon because I'm going to sit around for eight hours while it steams and keep going to look at it, you know, so it doesn't run out of water. Basically, I'm a bore at the moment. <laughs> but it's great to see... And for those of you that aren't aware, although I did try earlier on to tell you about Andrew's past, not all of your past... <laughs> But some of you passed that Andrew was actually, a, you were a renal surgeon. Mm. Yeah, and because my brother actually had, a, had a, some problems in that area and he went to see his renal surgeon and the surgeon said to him, do you have any trouble passing water? And my brother said, well, I do get dizzy when I go over the canal bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so you managed to leave that career well behind you, Andrew. Uh, yes, but... Uh, at the moment, the other thing I'm doing is going into the transplant clinic and selling Christmas cards for our charity. 
And that's lovely because I can meet patients that have transplanted years ago and the longest is... Right. Yeah, well, Look, I know shot. I'm not doing very well, but there's no need to shoot your bloody self. <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen, one or two members of the audience who were previous uh, patients of Andrew <laughs> have found a, an ideal way to end it all uh, to, to make him feel some guilt. <laughs> So as the audience numbers diminish here at my podcast, <laughs> uh, can we thank my panel, Andrew Raftery and Beverly Jake? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, here at the podcast. Here at the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, it's time now to introduce the balloon of disillusionment. And the, <laughs> there's a, a good reason for this. I call on the keeper of the balloon of disillusionment, and here he is, ladies and gentlemen. Just stand at the back there, just there, where it says trapdoor. <laughs> And it's time now, ladies and gentlemen, hold your breath to reveal and release the balloon of disillusionment. <laughs> wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the balloon of disillusionment has landed on the head of a lady in the audience. And I'm now just going into the audience to discover the identity of the said lady. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm now sort of negotiating my way through the, through the audience here <laughs> at the showroom cinema to discover a lady in the audience in the 14th row <laughs> with a balloon on her head. Oh. Oh, madam, congratulations. <laughs> Tell us your name, please. Yes, it's Annie. So, Annie the, Annie, the balloon of disillusionment has landed on your head, and as a result, you have the opportunity, nay, the duty, to read out uh, this carefully prepared statement. Annie, thank you. Hello. I'm glad the balloon of disillusionment landed on my head. What a lovely surprise. It must be fate. Nothing exciting ever happens to me. I'm grateful for this rare moment of fame. It gives me the opportunity to read out this question. Here goes. <coughs> Which famous television programme is celebrating its 50th anniversary? Wow, give, give Annie a big round of... I thought Annie, I thought Annie did very well there, didn't you? In fact, I don't think we can follow that. I think we should close now, we can finish. Uh, okay, uh, well, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm, I'm back at my desk now, and uh, Annie from uh, Sheffield read out uh, the statement and, of course, the question. And the question she asked was this. Which famous television programme is celebrating its 50th anniversary? We're going to go into the audience now with a roving microphone and, be, and to ask anybody in the audience who's got an idea, put your hand up, please. Hi, it's uh, Bruce from Sheffield. Uh, is it Monty Python's Flying Circus? Because I know they've celebrated 50 years. Would you give Bruce a round of applause? He's wrong! <laughs> no, it wasn't Monty Python. Let's just explore. The gentleman on, on the back row. Is it Brexit Weekly? Is, is it what? Brexit Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> is it 50 years since the word Brexit was first coined? <laughs> Well, can we, uh, can we just say it seems like 50 years, but let's ask uh, anybody else in the audience. Well, that man there chewing on a... Yes. Is it Cracker Jack? Cracker Jack! <laughs> no, it's not Cracker Jack. We'll just carry on uh, around the gentleman there. Just uh, 
Is it what? David Attenborough. No, it's not David Attenborough. He's, uh, I'm going to have to tell them, aren't I? Ladies and gentlemen, the programme. What, uh, gentlemen at the back there, I think one more, one more chance. This is his last chance as, as he tries to get out of this fourth floor window. <laughs> University challenge. No, it's not University Challenge either. The programme that we're looking for, ladies and gentlemen, that's celebrated this week, its 50th anniversary, is the Clangers. Oh. Well, I didn't think it'd be that well received. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, and in honour of the 50th anniversary of this beloved children's television programme, the Clangers, we're going to have our own panel play a game called Themes. Our panel will take it in turns to perform a classic children's television theme tune in clangor speak, okay? And the audience will guess the name of the programme. So, first of all, we're going to ask Beverly in clangor speak to perform the theme tune from a famous children's television programme. Beverly Jakes, as a clangor, away you go. Can I, can I just ask a question? Because I've never had one of these in my hand before. Oh. So can I... Do, I... do I put my mouth on this end and pull? Because <laughs> I don't really know what to do. Yeah, it'd be good, instead of just doing two bars, to do the whole... <laughs> to do the whole theme. Yeah, but I'm going to ask the audience to guess at the name of the TV <laughs> programme that Beverly was performing the theme tune of there. And uh, looking round, the, uh, most of them have lost the will to live. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm, this, is, this is my version of what you were trying to do. This is the programme. Let's see how much better I am, or worse. It's hard. Yeah, is that better? It's a bit better. Yeah, and the yes, yeah, gentleman in the audience, what do you think that was? Magic roundabout. Magic roundabout. Give him a round oh, of applause. That's so clean. This is uh, this is obviously a segment of the podcast that uh, when we were chatting about this a couple of weeks ago, we thought it was a, a wonderful idea, and obviously now as we're performing it, we realise it's not as good as we thought it would be. <laughs> However, to rescue us and to pull us out of the mire that we have descended into, we call upon that man of many talents, uh, Mr Andrew Raftery, to perform in clangor speak the um, tune of a well-known children's TV programme. I'm sitting here totally bemused by what is going on and I'm holding in my hand something that looks like a rolling pin from a children's uh, baking set, uh, but it could be a badly circumcised rolling pin. Um, so, um, which end do I put in my mouth? That, you put that oh, bit in your mouth right. and put other bit. Good luck. It's just coming into the station. <laughs> oh, there's a clue, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. oh like. Let's ask the audience what that could possibly be. Uh, gentlemen on the front is row. It Thomas the Tank Engine. Thomas the Tank Engine, of course oh, it is, yes. Yeah. 
And, uh, and finally, ladies and gentlemen, I think because I think this has probably run its course. <laughs> <laughs> one last attempt, uh, and for you, Beverly. Can I just apologise? I've got lipstick on your kazoo, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a sentence you hear every day of your life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bev. Right, okay. Right, I'm going to really try with this one. <laughs> yes. Instead of saying yes, I should have went, are you sure? Okay. <laughs> has, it, has anybody got any idea what that is? Would you like to tell them what it was, Bev? Do you want me to do it again? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I interject. Just tell them it's what... It's got it, a famous dog in it. Just tell them what it was supposed to be. What was it, Bev? Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, of course. Scooby-Scooby-Doo. Well, ladies and gentlemen, like myself, the audience wish that this could all end quickly. <laughs> Uh, so I blame Annie for the way she read that uh, question out earlier on. <laughs> Another round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, you're listening to Bernie Clifton's podcast, and it's uh, welcome to a segment I'm very excited about because, whether you've <laughs> noticed it or not, the election is coming up, and we're proud to welcome two distinguished local candidates. It's the leader of the monster-raving Wormy Jockstrap Party, Andrew Raftery, and the leader of the Triple Grey Soundproof Tanner Lady Knicker Party, <laughs> Beverly Jakes. Give them a round of applause. Uh, let's begin the Bernie Clifton podcast head-to-head -head election debate. Uh, question one for Andrew. Andrew, let's deal with your policies. Do you really think that your big election promise, free ice skating for camels, <laughs> do you think it'll win you many votes in South Yorkshire? Andrew, what do you think? No, I think most people will take the hump. <laughs> oh! <laughs> sure I mean. And Beverly, uh, let's discuss your own policies. You've won a lot of friends for your main campaign promise, free bus travel for the over-90s as long as they bring the parents. <laughs> Tell us more, Beverly. Well, yeah, it's really taking off, actually. But, yeah, I wish I'd got the one about the camel, actually. Uh, I wish I'd have thought to put that in my manifesto because what? I have got affinity with, with camels. You... I never thought about that, yeah. Because I fell off one in Skegness, you see. Oh, no, tell us. Yeah, yeah, I went in Skegness on this camel, like you do. And I stepped off too soon and it started moving away and I fell off it. And I sort of you, sure, it. you sure it was a camel? It wasn't a donkey wearing a bra? <laughs> Thank you. And uh, Andrew, uh, do you deny, Andrew, when serving as High Sheriff of a bus stop in Attercliffe, you abuse your position of authority to engineer a three-in-a-bed romp with both Whoopi Goldberg and a Whoopi cushion? <laughs> uh, the thing that worries me is, yes, I don't deny it, but uh, Whoopi Goldberg, a Whoopi cushion and me only makes three. I'm much more interested in the other two who are the five in the bed. So the answer is no, I don't deny it. Okay, good job. It's just as well. And, and I noticed that when Andrew answered that question, there was no sign of him sweating. <laughs> See what I mean? How, how current can you get? Yeah, yeah. And now, Miss Jakes, is it true that whilst attending a Tom Jones concert in 1996, you threw your body stocking onto the stage, which landed in the brass section and asphyxiated the second trumpet player? Can I just point out it was a clarinet player, actually? Uh, but it was my knickers that I threw. Uh, but I do like them up to neck, down to the floor. I like them to be comfy. Up to your they, neck, They are yeah. a bit like black art curtains, my knickers. 
Up to your neck, down yeah. to the floor. Can't be doing with this sexy thong beat. It gets up crackier. No, I can't do it. <laughs> and now for our third and final question of the evening. Have you got the key to number 10, Beverly? Have you, have you got the chance to walk into number 10 as the new Prime Minister? What would the first thing you'd do? What would you do? What would, oh, what would you be your first... Well, I'm going to go a bit serious here. Go on, I want you because to Because be. where I come from, we're having a lot of trouble with shoplifters. So I would, I would make a new ruling that if you shoplift, you get your hand chopped off. And then if you shoplift again, you get the other one chopped off, so you'd only do it twice. So I would, that would be one of my first things. But my other one would be that people should wear more sparkle. More sparkle? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I think, you know, it makes it an happier place if you sparkle along. Because I always leave a, a sparkle behind me, don't I? So, I, I, no, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah. We do yeah. tend to dress down colour-wise in the yeah. winter, don't we? Yeah. So br uh, bright colours would be would certainly Definitely. be an asset. Uh, thank you for that, Beverly. And now a question. What I'm going to do is throw the floor up now to Andrew Raftery. Andrew, from where I'm sitting, in a political sense, I can see your the, your manifesto is bulging. <laughs> <laughs> Hang really? on, just a minute. <laughs> I've not noticed. Pulse up, zip. <laughs> Would you, Andrew? What would you do? You got the keys to number ten. What, what, what would you do first of all? To be serious, I, I think the first thing I'd do is I'd uh, make a specific health tax, one p in the pound to start for, which had to go directly to NHS and social care. Um, this is what is called a hypothecated tax. Now, that's a big word, and I didn't know what it meant, and I had to find three dictionaries. It is a tax that is specifically allocated to something. So I think that is one of the most important things that we need in this country, is something directing to health. Um, and in number 10, I, I mean, I'd put a moustache on the portrait of Mrs Thatcher... <laughs> um, I'd turn the one of David Cameron to the wall and I'd, I'd get rid of all that horrible wallpaper and replace it with a nice anaglypta or a washable vinyl. Um, yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank our esteemed candidates. That's Andrew Raftery of the Monster Raving Words with Jockstrap Party and Beverly Jakes of the Triple Glaze Soundproof Tenor Lady Knicker Party. Don't forget to use your vote wisely on the 12th of December which, if you're listening on Spotify, has already passed us by. <laughs> so from all of us here at the Bernie Clifton Podcast head-to-head -head election debate, I've been Fiona Bruce. Good night. <laughs> uh, time in the show now to where I ask the, the panel, Andrew and Beverly, for uh, triumphs and tragedies. This can be flippant or it can be serious. Uh, talking about highs and lows in your life, Beverly, uh, can you think of a couple for us? Well... My one is, is a bit of both, really. So it's, it's all wrapped up in one. Um, I started acting in 2010. Um, I, I acted when I was at school. I was just in uh, Fiddler on the Roof. I got one line to say, uh, where will I go with my husband and three children? I always remember it. I was in something like 78, 79. Uh, and I always wanted to act. But from that to 2010, never acted. Never had the time. Uh, I worked full time. And I just didn't have the time to do it. It just passed me by. And then in 2010, I saw an advert in Chronicle for um, people from Barnsley, just raw talent to go in Kez. So I'm not really a shy person, as you know, but I thought, I don't know how I'm going to be on stage. So I just decided to go and just be in background. So I went for an audition and I got the second female lead, finished up being um, the librarian. 
And then I got part of Mrs. Allendon, three more other parts, walk-on parts. So literally my first show, I was playing five different people with all different looks and different accents and different things. Wow. Uh, so it was, a bit, it was a challenging thing. But I love the fact that after all these years, I'd found the courage to do acting. I started that in the May time, a real again into rehearsals and everything. And then uh, I'd rung my brother in, uh, in America, who were very close to it, and I rang him and um, he was really pleased for me. And he couldn't believe I'd actually got around to it because he knew that I had this love for acting. So he were really backing me all the way from uh, America. Um, sadly, in August, he was killed in a car accident. Um, it was quite a horrific accident. It was on news, and, news at 10 and in all local papers and everything. Really, really bad. So, and it affected me really badly. Um, and it was just in the middle of all the rehearsals for the show. And I felt like I couldn't go on with it. Um, but somebody just told me, and my sister said, he would have wanted you to do it because the last time you spoke to him, he was really up, up about it. So although I, I didn't miss any rehearsals, but I did think about throwing out of the show because of how I felt. But he sort of like, jeered me on like really from from up above I felt and through that I've carried on and I've been doing eight to ten shows a year um doing filming doing murder mysteries I've never really stopped and I feel that it's him that spurred me on to carry on doing that so it's a bit of a tragedy that's led to a triumph really and changed yeah. my life altogether yeah. Beth, thanks for sharing that <laughs> I know it's like a much hackneyed phrase, isn't it? The show must go yeah. on, but to be, absolute, to be able to pull yourself yeah. out of that, yeah. if only briefly, yeah. uh, a, a very positive thing to do. Yeah. I was um, I was in the summer season in uh, Lowestoft in 1977, up out in the, the wilds of East Anglia, and all oh, my family lived in uh, St Helens, and um, my brother had, uh, had my, bro my brother was ill, and I remember getting the news that it uh, just before I went there was a, a phone at the side the side of the stage and I rang my dad and my, my dad told me that my brother had died mm -hmm. uh, on age 43 and you just look at the wall and you think wow but mm -hmm. there's three or four hundred people out there waiting yeah. to be entertained and I, I kind of something clicks doesn't it mm, I yeah. don't know how I got through it but you actually just yeah. find something you, you dig do. and find something and 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 get through it mm. and it and even though they would have sympathised, you can't tell them. No. You can't tell them, you just have to get on yeah. and do it. Yeah. yeah. They, di they didn't know, the people I was doing show with, they always comment about it, that I, I carried on and I didn't show anything. Yeah. It was as if, like, you, you become that other person, so... Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Andrew, Triumphs and Tragedies. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't think I've had a tragedy, but I've had some occasional bad times. But the triumph was... Uh, I, it was the 250th anniversary of the founding of the Royal College of Surgeons, and at the time, I was the senior surgical examiner for the country. Uh, that's difficult to believe, isn't it? Somebody with my accent. And uh, I got an invite to the mansion house for the celebration and to meet the Queen. So I thought, oh, that's lovely. We can talk about horse racing because we're both interested. And... Uh, I had to get one of those you know, striped trousers, a, a tailed coat and what's it. And I went into a shop in, here in Sheffield and uh, I thought the poor chap was going to faint. So I told him I wanted to hire this. And he was one of those, you know, typical one in a men's tailor. He said, is sir going to the Cutler's Feast? So I said, no. Oh. 
And then he sort of, thought, I said, get on and measure me inside leg. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and then he said, uh, might I inquire what sir is going to do? I said, oh, I'm just off down to Mansion House to meet Queen in London. <laughs> and he said, oh, you're going to meet the Queen? Oh, let me get out the best clothes I can find. <laughs> oh, very nice. So I get down to London, and um, the Queen just comes for the reception. She doesn't stay for the meal. And we're all lined up. Oh, somebody's there. One of the people from the Royal College of Surgeons has a list of names. Didn't he just bloody introduce me by a name of my colleague who was standing next to me? No. <laughs> so that ruined what was quite a good night, but I never realised how small the Queen was. Neither did I realise when she was meeting people. Out of camera, she's followed by one of her courtiers who is carrying a tray with gin and tonic on it, so she can stop and have one, having been bored by the people. So that's my moment of triumph. I haven't had a moment of tragedy, but I had a very worrying moment in the late 1970s. I was working in Manchester, and I'd just gone into my office at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I saw two men come into the department, and I thought, oh, they look strange. And I thought, knock on the professor's door. And I never thought any more about it until five minutes later, the prof came to the door, knocked on my door, and he said, Raftery, in a Scottish tones, uh, he said, these two gentlemen want to speak to you. So I thought, oh, come in, I said, sit down, what can I do for you? He said, we're from West Yorkshire Police. We have been informed by somebody who thinks you're the Yorkshire Ripper. <laughs> and then I said the wrong thing. I said, oh, God, my cover's been blown. And um, they didn't seem to find that funny. And uh, I'd only just started the job in Manchester, and I was still living in Leeds uh, for three months, in fact. So I travelled every day from Leeds uh, to Manchester. And the letter, which had been partly redacted, you know, that's where they use the black pen bit for things they don't want you to know, like the person who signed the bloody letter. So I didn't <laughs> and, um, that, you know, he asked me where I was on specific dates. The letter had said that I, uh, I hated prostitutes. To, uh, I thought, you know, that they interfered with my religion. And uh, I had all the surgical skills to rip out their innards, you know. <laughs> I thought, this is getting worrying. <laughs> and then it turned out that one day, uh, it gave me a number of dates, most of them I didn't realise. Uh, uh, one day I'd sloped off from the job to go to York Races on a Wednesday afternoon. The Wednesday afternoon, one of the murders was committed. And I said, that was filmed by ITV, that race meeting. You get away and look at the film. And would you believe it, they spotted me alongside the parade ring before one of the races. So I couldn't possibly have done it. Uh, so they went away. Uh, so I don't know who did it, and I still to this day don't know who wrote and told them that I was the Yorkshire Ripper. But I have to say, it was a bit of a worrying time. Remarkable. Yeah. Mm. I must uh, echo your uh, your meeting with uh, with the Queen, uh, Andrew. Uh, I had the uh, good fortune of uh, meeting her at the Royal Variety Show. Um, well, it's forty years. It's forty years ago this weekend. 
great idea. And um, which was a, a kind of a triumph mm. for me. But subsequently, uh, many years later, only about five years ago, there was a reception at the palace uh, for the Grand Order of Water Act, which, and we all went along and we, we met the Queen. And I was in a kind of a, a great, great hall and, uh, and the Duke of Edinburgh was, was, he actually lived up to his name as being a, a quite, quite a prickly character. Uh, he, t he turned up and uh, Fran, one of the organisers, turned round and there he was standing behind her and she went, oh, I'm sorry, sir, I didn't realise you were here. And he went, I, I live here. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, would it be a jape? I back, tucked in the waistband of my trousers at the back. I got this 10 by 8 black and white photograph of me shaking hands with the Queen. And as we're all a bit sort of Joey uh, Joey in the water rats, anything for a laugh, as he came down the line to, uh, to, into, to shake hands with us all, and I'm standing next to my daughter, who was uh, dying to meet him, I pulled this photograph out and I put it under his nose, this black and white 10 by 8 photograph of me meeting the Queen. And I said, excuse me, sir, could you get the missus to sign this? <laughs> and he just went... <laughs> <laughs> he went down the line and completely missed my daughter. <laughs> and she's never forgiven me for that. But subsequently, I met the Queen herself, and I was introduced to the Queen by by uh, Keith Simmons, uh, one of the water rats, who said, Your Majesty, this is Bernie Clifton, who entertained you uh, many years ago in the 70s, uh, riding an ostrich. And she, as you said, Andrew, she's, she's tiny, isn't she? She's not very tall. And she looked up at me and went, uh, Ostrich? Ostrich? And I went, Yes, Your Majesty, the ostrich is still performing, but uh, much, much slower. And she went, Hmm. Isn't it funny how things do get slower? <laughs> <laughs> and, and off she went, and it, it was a, a, a marvellous moment to be part of that and to see the, the Duke of Edinburgh living up to, to his reputation. He, he, he uh, was introduced to a group of musicians and said, Who are you? Where do, where do you work? And uh, one of the musicians said, Well, uh, chiefly, we work abroad, sir. He says, don't they like you here? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to ask the audience uh, here at the podcast at the Shoreham Cinema in Sheffield if they have any triumphs or tragedies that they'd like to share with us. So anybody in the audience, if you've got a little triumph or a little tragedy, uh, give us a show. Uh, lady on the front row, tell us your name, please. Uh, Marie. Marie, uh, is it triumph or tragedy? Well, it's, it's actually just to go on from what um, Andrew was saying. Is my husband looked like Peter Sutcliffe in those days, mm -hmm. exactly like the picture. He was fetched in for questioning. That was before I was married. And all his mates at uh, his work used to call him Sooty for years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did he do anything to alter his appearance? When... No, he just looks as bad now, so... <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else would try for a tragedy that's uh, here from the audience? Hi, What's your Bruce. name, please? It's Bruce. Bruce. Uh, when I, since I last saw you at your other place, um, I've now got a, my own radio feature on Union Jack Radio. It's called Bruce on the Loose, <laughs> where they uh, send me out as their celebrity correspondent to go and get as many celebrity messages as possible. So uh, I've wondered if I could add you to the list later. <laughs> what, if you can't find a celebrity? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're a legend, so I've got to add you to the list of... Uh, oh, I've got uh, Jake Humphrey, Rob Beckett, Alan Jones. Uh, the list is endless. Jason Manford, Toby Foster, Jules Holland. I've got, I've got them all. <laughs> so 
I'm just adding you to the list if that's all right. It's a brilliant feature, and I'm on their podcast every so often. So I'm flattered, obviously, to be part of it. So what's it called again, Bruce? It's called Bruce on the Loose. <laughs> so and if you ever see me at a stage <laughs> draw or anything, don't panic. <laughs> I'm just, just out on the uh, a mission for Union Jack Radio. <laughs> Well, you've heard it all here on the Bernie Clifford podcast. We've had, uh, we've had the beast from the east, we've had the pest from the west, and now we've got Bruce on the loose. Thank you. And thank you to our audience for that. And anybody, on the gentleman on the front, on the front row, uh, wearing, yes, uh, do you have a triumph for a tragedy for us? Tell us your name. Um, Peter Lewis from Aston Cum Orton. And my achievement is living to this old age that I've now achieved. Peter, I can tell from the huge disc that's worn around your neck yeah. that, that says, do not approach armed and dangerous. <laughs> uh, Peter, tell us, is it your birthday today? Yeah, it is today. I'm putting on my Liverpool accent now, so you can right, understand you, me a bit better. Uh, uh, but Peter uh, brought up in Liverpool, of course, and now yes. living uh, living in, the, in in Yorkshire. Yes. C uh, do you, dare you tell us how old you are? No. No. Okay. <laughs> wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? it would it not be sort of essential? I'm into my seventies now. You're into your seventies. Yes. Okay. So you, I must say, Peter, you don't you don't look it. Oh, you're so kind. You used to. <laughs> Oh, Pete, well, I, I think we should sing happy birthday to oh, Pete. Right, yeah. All together, one, one, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Peter. Happy birthday to you. Thank you all very much. I really am touched on this very special birthday. Who will take me for lunch? There you go. Thank you, Peter. And, of course, relieved to hear from your own lips the phrase, I am touched. <laughs> yeah. uh, a time now where we, we ask our guests for a little party piece. And, uh, Andrew, have you, got a, have you got a party piece for us? Yes, I have. Now, uh, we've already heard from one gentleman that is getting on in years, and as age creeps on, you will find you'll develop AAADD. Now, for those of you who do not know what this is, it stands for Age Activated Attention Deficit Disorder, and this manifests itself as follows. You decide to water the garden. As you turn on the hose in the driveway, you look over at your car and decide that it needs washing. As you start walking towards the garage for your cleaning equipment, you notice that there is mail in the hallway. You decide to go through the mail before you wash your car. You put your car keys down on the table, go through the mail, put the bills back on the table and put the junk mail in the rubbish bin under the table and notice that the bin is full. So you decide to take out the rubbish, but then you think that since you are going to be near the post box when you take out the bin bags, you may as well pay the bills first. You take your checkbook off the table and see that there is only one check left. Your new checkbook is in your desk drawer in the study. So you go into your study where you find the can of Coke that you had been drinking earlier. You are looking for your checkbook, but you need to move the can of Coke to one side so that you don't accidentally knock it over. You notice that the Coke is getting warm, so you decide to put it in the refrigerator to keep it cool. As you head towards the kitchen with the Coke, a vase of flowers on the window ledge catches your eye. 
They need watering. You place the coke on the working surface where you discover your reading glasses, which you have been searching for all morning. You decide you had better put them back on your desk where they should be, but first you are going to water the flowers. You put your glasses back down on the working surface, fill a container with water, then suddenly you spot the TV remote. Somebody has left it on the kitchen table. You realise that tonight, when you want to watch TV, you will be looking for the remote, but you know you won't remember that it is on the kitchen table, so you decide to put it back in the lounge where it belongs. First, though, you will water the flowers. You pour some water in the vase, but quite a lot of it spills on the floor, so you put your remote back on the table, get some towels, and wipe up the mess. Then you head down the hall, trying to remember what you were planning to do next. At the end of the day, the car isn't washed, the bills aren't paid, the rubbish bin is overflowing, there is a warm can of coke on the working surface, the flowers don't have enough water, there is still only one check in your checkbook, you can't find the remote, you can't find your glasses, and you don't remember what you did with the car key. Then when you try to work out why nothing got done, you are really baffled because you know you were busy all day and you're really tired. You realise that this is a serious problem, so you make a mental note to get some help for it, which of course is not worth the paper it is written on. Then you decide to check your emails. Then you remember that the host pipe is still running. Thank you. <laughs> What it is, is um, it's just a time perhaps to uh, explain to people or to tell people why I changed my name from um, Bernard Quinn. I was Bernie Quinn. I was, I was a kind of a, a boy singer back in the 50s. And in fact, I wasn't Bernie Quinn. I was Bernard Quinn. The only way I could shorten my name from Bernard Quinn to Bernie was to leave my hometown of St. Helens because to have changed your name back in the 50s from Bernard to Bernie, you would be seen to getting above yourself. Uh, so anyway, I did leave and I left and I did my natural service in Doncaster at RAF Lindholm, which is now a prison. Slightly easier to get out of now than it was back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but I realised that I had to change my name uh, from, from Quinn because it didn't seem to have that scan. You know when, like, Bernie Quinn didn't seem to have that, that rhyming metre that you need in a stage name. That was my idea anyway. But the whole idea was brought to a head by my... Um, what I did every Sunday, I used to borrow the flight sergeant's bike and I'd bike into Donny and uh, I'd go to and I'd work one of the villages around Doncaster. It could have been Edlington, it could have been Scorthorpe, could have been anywhere, uh, anywhere that had a, a miners welfare club. And of course, um, it was a kind of a baptism of fire, really. And the only way I could get there, because I had only got one suit, was to put my stage suit on and put this gabardine mac on, a gabardine mac. And of course, because I was borrowing this bike, I actually had to wear a, a pair of bike clips as well. So I, it wasn't a pretty sight. So in the song I'm going to do for you, it's a kind of a story which I've embellished slightly, but nevertheless, it tells the story of how I found my way into show business although 60 years ago here in South Yorkshire and why I changed my name uh, from uh, Bernie Quinn to Burma Queen because Burma Queen was the name that I saw up <coughs> on the above the club. Sunday lunchtimes in those days you would work with strippers if you were lucky and um, 
And uh, instead of being uh, arriving and being announced as, as Bernie Quinn, the booking had obviously been done on the phone, and I arrived at the club to find out I was going to be uh, announced as Burma Queen. So, so I think I'll picture, picture the scene, if you can, ladies and gentlemen, a young <coughs> callow youth uh, with a gabardine mask. I looked at the flight sergeant's bike, and I'm watching the oil where it drips. So I reach round the back of me gabardine mac and I put on me bicycle clips. Now from RF Lindo, I set up at eight. For a boy singer, I didn't look great. The guards were all laughing and aiming their quips. And me gabardine mac and me bicycle clips. The bike was an old one to sit up and beg. No further ado, I cocked over me leg. And then a sharp pain made me heart skip a beat. Some clever sod had run off with a seat. <laughs> <coughs> Some jokes are okay, this one I didn't like. I was sat stuck on a sharp metal spike. The whole expedition turned into a farce. And I can't start describing the pain. <coughs> <coughs> So I stood on the pedals and set off with pride On what was to be an uncomfortable ride The pain I was feeling was hard to define And it came from a place where the sun didn't shine <laughs> Now when I got to Donnie, oh boy was I tired All down to that beast of a bike I'd acquired The bike clips were fine, still shiny and lacquered But as for me... <laughs> I spotted the bus, there was no one around. I tiptoed on board without making a sound. Seizing me chance with the crew unawares, I started to squeeze the bike under the stairs. The conductor appeared and he said for a start, only wait or fit is to take it apart. And if you succeed, it'll be quite a feat. By the way, did you know I was missing a seat? <laughs> so the journey completed, he wished me the best. But to those good wishes, he added this jest. If there's only a singer, I'm afraid that's unlucky, because he's normally just strippers and a comic that's mucky. <laughs> so pushing the bike to the club, then I walked the turns for the day up in bright coloured chalk. But up there, just where Bernie Quinn should have been, it said exotic dancer and a name Burma Queen. <laughs> I'll give up the business, I'm calling it quits I can't dance exotic, I've got the wrong bits <laughs> I'm willing to work with me clothes on, I mean Or I'd walk in a queen and I'd come out a queen So the cock-up explained I was thrown up on stage 200 miners all seething with rage I started to sing and they started to scoff Get on with it, Burma, go on, get them off <laughs> So that was a tale of a day in my life It started and ended in all kinds of strife From Quinney to Clifton Through many hardships In me gabardine mac And me bicycle clips I thank you Thank you, thank you. That's uh, it from another edition of Bernie Clifton's podcast. I'd like to thank my guests, Andrew Raftery and Beverly Jakes. Yes! <laughs> also, our associate producer, Sam Hutchinson. He deserves it. <laughs> and, of course, Peter of Cornucopia Radio. <laughs> Peter. And just to remind you, this has been a triple glazed, soundproof, tunnel lady, Nicker Party political broadcast. Goodbye! <laughs>
joining us and listening to the Bernie Clifton podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a star rating or comment in whatever podcast application you're using. Your feedback will really help us make everything even better. The show was produced for Cornucopia Radio by Bernie Clifton and Sam Hutchinson. The sound engineer was Peter Beeston. You can get even more involved with the show by visiting our webpage, where you can access all the podcast subscription links and join the Bernie Clifton Podcast fan page on Facebook. You just need to point your internet to cornucopia-radio.co.uk slash Bernie Clifton. Okay, hands up, anybody wants the money back?